0: This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I'm Charity Nebbe. When the temperatures drop in the fall, suddenly the outdoors becomes insect-free. As soon as it warms up in the spring, many species of insect reappear instantly. Today, entomologist Laura Isles is here to demystify this phenomenon and to help us understand the strategies different insect species use to survive the winter months. Laura Isles is the director of the North Central Integrated Pest Management Center. Hello, Laura. Good morning, Charity. Thank you so much for being here. And all right, so the temperature drops. That kills a lot of insects, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. So there's a lot
1: of different strategies for insects. So some insects, um, especially adult insects, often just die. They may, they have probably already laid eggs that will be overwintering. And so the adult insect doesn't need to live any longer. A lot of our wasps just
0: die because there's already mated queens that are overwintering. So yes, some just do just die. All right. And that, of course, (laughs) is is part of that phenomenon that makes them all disappear. But different insects do use different strategies to get through the winter months because they have to reappear again in the spring. Um, Let's talk about the insects that leave. (laughs) Right. So I call it, there's kind of the stay or
1: the go strategy. And so the the insects that go are the ones that migrate. And some of our very famous ones, of course, the monarch is one that migrates um, south. We have other, I would say, somewhat less famous. The the entomologists certainly love the painted ladies that also migrate. Some of our dragonfly species migrate. A lot of our crop pests actually do as well. So it's not unusual to have um, insects With wings, it has to be the wings, so adult insects migrating
0: to the south where they can continue to eat and reproduce or just sit quietly through the winter. And of course, we all love monarch butterflies, and some of us are lucky enough to get to see a flock of monarch butterflies migrating or preparing to migrate. I don't think I've seen other insects flock up, do they? We don't usually notice it
1: in the same way. Painted lady butterflies are ones where some years they it's very noticeable if you're in the right place. But yeah, I don't usually notice the other, you know, species. You know, things like potato leaf hopper are really tiny, so we probably wouldn't notice. So there's not (laughs) this. The majestic potato
0: (laughs) leaf (laughs) hopper.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) And many of these other species are spreading all, you know, through wide areas of the the south and Mexico and so we're not seeing them you know go to you know a very limited location like the monarch butterflies right. do
0: right the monarch butterfly migration is is pretty extraordinary even in the animal kingdom so of course other insects stay and they stay in a variety of ways so give me some examples Right. So the insects that stay
1: and, you know, all insects, whether they they leave or stay all these things like the the day length changing that, you know, we notice now getting dark so early, temperature, all these things tells the insect that a big change is happening and triggers them to go into this kind of overwintering mode. And so depending on the species like, you know, bagworm, if you've ever had bagworm hanging on your conifer trees there's eggs in a bunch of those bags because they just overwinter as the egg stage and they're adapted to you know, handle pretty cool temperatures and do it that way. Uh, Japanese beetles, not everyone's favorite. Most of us, those overwinter underground and they can actually move pretty deep down into the soil to prevent so every insect kind of has its own little niche that it's adapted to.
0: Right. And of course, Japanese beetles, they disappear long before the freeze comes. They've already gone through their season. The adults have disappeared and the larvae is already down there <laughs> waiting, ready to reemerge mm-hmm. next year when the time <laughs> is right. Um, what are some of the... From your perspective, really unique egg laying strategies that that help insects get those eggs through the winter, because it it does seem amazing that they can survive those conditions. Yes, yeah, it's,
1: it's it's really amazing. Um, any of the insects, like and to me, even some overwinter as larvae, which is truly amazing, because insects are kind of bags of water, and if they freeze. The, the ice crystals will just destroy the cells. And so they have lots of ways of removing water out of the cells of their body, of producing kind of like antifreeze literally, you know, in their cells and things like that. So absolutely amazing ways. So they can they can physically try to get away from the cold, especially underground or in leaf litter, and then they can do things chemically in their own bodies to prevent that freeze damage, which is, to me, just
0: fascinating. Well, I think about um, the woolly bear caterpillars, which, of course, we all see in the fall, and some of us like to pretend that we can predict the winter season by looking at them. I, I'm not sure that there's much validity to that. but that's that's a creature that really amazes me because often I'll be out moving sticks or you know cleaning up the yard and I find them in leaf litter and I wouldn't think that that would protect them very well. How how can they hide under a few leaves in a little bit of dirt and survive the winter?
1: Right. So, yeah, just getting under those leaves, you know, especially snow cover is so helpful to insects. Snow is, I mean, it seems really cold to us above the snow as humans, but below the snow, I mean, it's basically functioning as a blanket. I mean, the the soil will remain like right at kind of 32 degrees. So just right at that freeze-thaw just right under the snow. So the more they can get leaf litter on them and then especially snow really helps prevent that deep freeze. So yeah, just just
0: picture them under a blanket all winter. (laughs) What are some of the insects where there are adults that, that do survive the winter? So we're not talking about larva or eggs, but actually adult insects that somehow make it through. So probably the one
1: that people would recognize the most are a lot of our wasps do that. Um, right now everyone's kind of finding those bald-faced hornet nests um, in the woods if you're taking those fall walks out seeing the, the fall leaves. Seems like there was a lot of them this year and there's those, those kind of paper round um, balls um, that the wasps make. Well, all those wasps that are in it, almost all of them will just freeze to death or starve to death, but they produced queens towards the end of the seasons, queens, queens and kings, they mated, and then the queens are overwintering. Sometimes they'll overwinter, you know, kind of un- in homes. They'll try to get into kind of walls, just leaflet or any little nook or cranny where they can spend the winter at. So that's probably one of our most common ones that overwinters as adults.
0: Right. And so most of the adults will die, but there will be just these select adults that do survive, and then they start over in the spring, Right. Yep. Yeah. And these insects that are
1: colonies, like honeybees and wasps, it's not about the individual. It's always about the... You think of the colony as more the individual. So the the individuals might
0: not survive, but the colony is surviving in those queens. All right. So something else that happens this time of year is it starts to get cold. And then if you have any cracks or you live in a 120-year-old house like I do... Insects find their way into your home. Tell me why that's happening. (laughs) Yes, they do. So our most common ones, boxelder
1: bug, multicolored Asian lady beetle. We've now added the brown marmorated stink bug to that list. And so these are insects that very often are, sometimes they will want to like overwinter at the base of cliffs and things like that. That's the multicolored Asian lady beetle. So they're really attracted um, to kind of vertical surfaces reflecting light. They're often really attracted if there's like contrasting colors, so dream pipes or, you know, something about the house that's kind of light colored. So they're not like, oh, that's a house. Their, their brain isn't working that way. They're just like, oh, that's a vertical surface reflecting light. I'll go land on it. And then they start to move around for that, that cracker thing where they can overwinter. And they really need to stay cool and moist. Insects are, are animals. As long as they're active, they're going to need water and
0: food. So if they come indoors into your house, they're going to die pretty quickly. So do I have insects overwintering under my siding? Yes, you probably do. <laughs> I'm cool with that. It's all right. Um, that yes, yes, make me most of us do. <laughs> um, no, no, but <laughs> so for the ones that do come into your house, how do you deal with that? So I recommend just you know vacuuming
1: them up. Um, I often end up with little clusters of lady beetles up high on the ceiling where I can't even reach. Eventually, they they die and fall down. So, I mean, they're not going to hurt anything in the house. They're not going to hurt you or infest anything. So you can just, you know, vacuum them up. You know, you can be kind and put them outside or something like that. But I don't recommend using any insecticides indoors. If the problem is extreme, and sometimes in some houses it really is extreme, you're going to want to use insecticide outdoors, maybe around the windows and things like that. But certainly sealing all those cracks and gas, replacing screens, doing what you can um, before fall um, is also a big help.
0: So we've been talking a lot about the the fall and winter part of this, but in the spring, the other amazing part is that you'll have a 50 degree day where it's sunny and then all of a sudden you can see insects flying around in the air, which I think is I, I, pretty close to miraculous, Laura. <laughs> how, how does that happen? <laughs> Well,
1: yeah they're I mean they insects and plants are so triggered on just temperatures and things like that so you, so they're they're sensing those temperatures they're becoming active if they can get something to eat something to drink that really benefits them we don't like to see like wild fluctuations and insects are a bit like plants that way crazy fluctuations in the spring or those late freezes can be pretty harmful to them but it's one of the reasons you know we recommend you can leave that leaf litter um, in your garden and stuff until you know we're pretty regularly about above 50 degrees, even at night. Um, So it always allows us to kind of procrastinate that garden
0: cleaning until later later in May. Well, and of course, a lot of people want to support pollinators. People are, are caring much more about our native insects now. And so creating that habitat, allowing that habitat to stick around, that's part of the relationship, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. And a lot of, you know, little tiny
1: bees will even build nests, you know, in hollow plant stems and stuff. So, you know, when I... Now when I, you know, cut off my Siberian iris, I kind of leave those tall flower stalks because they're hollow and, you know, that's enough for a small bee. I don't know if I've ever gotten any in there, but I I like to think so. So just, you you know, you can deadhead and stuff your flowers, but leaving those tall stems is really helpful. And so, and just, you know, waiting and, you know, even if you do have to cut them down, you know, in the spring, you know, laying them out somewhere where the wasps
0: could still emerge from them is also helpful rather than, you know, piling it all up into a big compost pile. I love this trend because now I don't have to rake because I know that it's better for my lawn <laughs> if I mulch up the leaves and I leave the leaves. And now I don't have to clean up the garden because I know it's better for insects and native pollinators if I leave it. That, this is all coming up charity here, I think, Laura. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Laura Isles is the director of the North Central Integrated Pest Management Center. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety Newsletter. Find out more at Iowa Public Radio garden I'm Charity Nebby. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Erin Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.